A four-day ceasefire is currently being negotiated between Israel and Hamas. It's a first in the war, and as part of the deal, up to 50 hostages being held in Gaza will be released, as well as Palestinians imprisoned in Israel. Both sides will let women and children go first. It's widely believed that hostages in Gaza are being held in underground tunnels. By now, you've probably heard about the Gaza tunnel system. That's because it has a crucial role in how the war is being fought in Gaza. But there are still things that remain unclear about the network. Drew Craig is a consultant geologist and a member of the International Working Group on Subterranean Warfare based out of Southeast England. He's visited tunnel systems around the world that have been used in warfare. Today, Drew is on the show to tell us what we know about Gaza's tunnels and how they're being used in this war. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Drew, thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for letting me join you. So let's talk about these tunnels. Uh, Hamas claims that this tunnel system stretches over 500 kilometers underground. Uh, the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, uh, they say the system is used to store weapons and includes military headquarters. Um, but these tunnels do remain a bit of a mystery, right? So, so I guess, how do we know that they actually exist? Uh, a mystery to the extent that we don't really understand where they are. Um, but Hamas themselves have been very open about bringing reporters down into these tunnel systems and, and effectively showing them around. A quick look on any one of these uh, video uh, video platforms will show innumerable interviews and, and guided tours uh, showing a range of underground features, those, those tunnels, a standard communication tunnel, as we'd call it, to move from A to B. And then those functional spaces where might have been for command and control or weapons engineering or storage uh, and the like uh, are also shown that are, are significant in size. Um, so there's a lot of information out there already to, to demonstrate the fact that these tunnels are there. What we just don't understand is the true extent of, of how far they, they sit throughout the, the Gaza uh, area. Uh, or, or indeed their orientation and, and sort of the overall scale and size of what the network looks like. What you may have is, is lots of smaller zones of networks. Uh, how interconnected those sort of little zones are, we don't yet know. Mm, okay. Uh, and, and a recent flashpoint in this war, of course, has been uh, the Israel Defense Forces targeting of Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza. And and so there's, there's a lot being said about this hospital. The IDF says it sits on top of an underground Hamas command center. Hamas denies this. Uh, a former Israeli PM told CNN that Israel actually helped build some of the underground spaces beneath the hospital. Well, when you say it was built by Israeli engineers, did you misspeak? No, no, somebody, you know, decades ago, we were the, running the place. So we held them. It was decades, many decades ago, probably five, de four decades ago, that we helped them to build these uh, bunkers in order to enable uh, more. And of course, over the weekend, the IDF released a video of what appeared to be a tunnel shaft with a circular staircase going down. down then turns into a corridor, walks down that corridor about 200 meters. We see at the end of that corridor a blockaded door that is fireproof that has a shooting hole through it. This is a terrorist tunnel. This is a Hamas infrastructure. But have we learned anything conclusive about what is actually underneath Al Shiva Hospital? 
Um, this is certainly evidence. Um, they've evolved uh, to the point now, or the, the updates have evolved to the point now that we know the, the IDF have gone through the protective door, which was at the end of the corridor um, that they had gotten to on the first video. So this is, sorry, down, there's a staircase down, there was a tunnel and there's a door That's at the right. end there was, of that. So there was a, a vertical shaft um, partially collapsed uh, due to the, I guess, battle damage. Um, it appears that there was a metal circular staircase descending down through that shaft that then led on to a horizontal tunnel of some 50 or so metres. So the IDF managed to um, get an asset down into that uh, using a video camera uh, to see what was going on. That took them as far as that blast door. We've not seen anything more. I had a quick look before I, I joined you to see if there's any updates to that, and there's nothing as yet. But one would expect to see a sort of drip feed of further information as they investigate further into what this system looks like. Hmm. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit more about what, what we do know then here. Uh, can you paint us a bit of a, a picture, Drew, about what we have learned about these tunnels? A lot of the footage you will commonly see will be of a narrow tunnel about the width of a person about the height of a person typically with concrete uh, panels along the sides um, and a, an arched uh, concrete cover over over the top over the ceiling mm. um, and these are concrete preforms that are effectively inserted into the tunnel once they've been dug now the, these tunnels are actually um, constructed with shall we say relative ease the the underlying geology that they've gone through is quite soft it's effectively a marine sediments, sort of beach sediments, um, poorly consolidated. And by that, I mean you can sort of dig, a, dig away at it quite easily. You don't need to drill and blast, um, which is what you'd see in much sort of harder rock. So the tunneling's relatively easy in that regard. And when you're saying digging, like, I mean, just like people with shovels down there? Or how, how's that done? Pr pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, really, really soft rock. So uh, definitely you could use a, a shovel or, or small hand tools to sort of uh, you know, eat away at the, uh, at the wall, the, the face, as you sort of uh, progress the tunnel in. But, uh, but effectively, having then created the space, you then need to protect yourself. Uh, like like in, in any tunnel engineering where you would then you would tunnel in and then you would shore up behind you. And that's where those concrete preforms come into play. They're then installed uh, to secure uh, to secure the tunnel behind. How, how deep do these tunnels go? You know, you're, you're talking potentially tens of meters. The, the geology will dictate that to some degree. Mm. The other factor that comes into play is the level of the water table. So the closer you are to the coast, or the closer you are to some of the, the water features, the drainage features that run through the, the, the terrain, uh, the higher the water table will sit within the, uh, within the rocks. Um, and what you don't want to be doing is, is digging a tunnel and then having it uh, sort of flood. Mm. Um, so that will dictate uh, to a certain extent uh, how deep those tunnels are. But certainly the indications are that they're you know, tens of metres or getting down towards tens of metres deep. But some of the tunnels equally will be quite shallow. And we've seen tactical tunnels being used um, that have enabled um, troops to effectively pop up, uh, effect a quick uh, attack of some form or, or other, and then to retreat back into the tunnel to, to get away. Mm. Um, so let's look at those as being tactical tunnels and, and you know, compare those with the deeper communication tunnels that would interconnect to the effectively the mission spaces. What about the entrances to the tunnels, Drew? Do, do we know what they usually look like, where they usually are? 
Uh, wide and varied. Uh, so the tactical tunnels that I mentioned earlier on are potentially just an open hole um, somewhere, potentially more in the more rural areas, just covered over with scrub. Um, but certainly the indications are that uh, we have uh, tunnel entrances that are within buildings. Um, there was one video that came out about a week or so back uh, that showed a, um, let's call it an abandoned car in a car, car park. Um, and the, the tunnel entrance actually came up inside the car. So con wow. concealment of these, uh, the, these access points um, is um, uh, probably, you might say, a bit of an art form. Um, but they, they are fixed points. So once they're, they're identified, they can then be closed off or exploited. And what about things like communication, power sources down there? What, what do we know about that? Um, so most of those tunnels will have power. They will have communication uh, cables running through them. Um, if you're underground and you're in this confined space, you need to be uh, turning the air over. Um, so there will be some form of air conditioning um, mm. uh, involved as well. Um, so to that extent, they're relatively sophisticated um, in that they have been fitted out with what we define as what we call these the, the umbilicals. So Hamas is, is thought to have begun dugging these tunnels potentially in the, the mid-90s, maybe even before that. We don't exactly know, it seems. But why were they built in the first place? Well, the original tunnels in Gaza, and, and you're right, goes back um, probably a couple of decades, if not longer, uh, were originally along the Egyptian border, and they were predominantly for smuggling. Uh, and their their scale and, again, their depth varied, um, but to the point that in some cases you're potentially able to drive a car through uh, through a tunnel. Wow. Um, so really significant. Um, but that capability uh, obviously evolved. Um, clearly, we've seen the sort of political uh, changes in Gaza over over the years as well. And now with Hamas, they, those tunnels are being dug exclusively um, for for military means. Uh, Drew, I know that you've you've actually been in a tunnel, not not in Gaza, but at the border between Lebanon and Israel, where there's also tunnels. Uh, can you tell us what was it what was it like being down there? Well, it's it's. I think the the one thing I was most struck about was the scale of of what had been done, and I was there in December two thousand and nineteen. Unlike in Gaza, you have effectively hard rock geology up in the the north of Israel along the border with Lebanon. It's dolomite and limestone, but the scale of some of those tunnels was was rather incredible. Um, but running water, again, communication cables, telephones, uh, power, and the like, in order to be able to put those tunnels in. So really quite dramatic um, and impressive. It's tight. It's claustrophobic. Uh, I've been very lucky to visit a number of uh, tunnels uh, related to warfare around the world, ranging from the tunnels of Kuchi in, in Vietnam uh, through to some of the, the, the tunnels within the Dolomites, which were uh, used during World War One. And it's incredibly claustrophobic, which uh, I guess leads to the conclusion that uh, you know, underground warfare is not suited to, to everybody. Um, I mean, both psychological conditioning and, and physical conditioning, plus the right equipment in order to be able to you know, operate within that environment. So very, very challenging in that regard. But, uh, yeah, really fascinating to see it. Uh, uh, but the level of engineering was what I was particularly struck by. We'll be back in a moment.
So as you mentioned, Drew, this is not the only example of tunnel warfare. There, there's a, a long history of this, actually. Um, can you just remind us of some of the other situations in the past where, where tunnels were used in, in urban warfare? Sure. Yeah. So, so look, underground warfare has been around for as long as warfare itself has existed. Um, it's nothing new, um, but much like we normally do, we, we have to continually relearn the lessons hard won by others. Um, I guess if we go back to World War One, not necessarily so much in the the urban uh, environment, uh, the use of tunnels to emplace large explosive charges beneath the enemy lines and then detonate them to as a prelude to a, a ground assault. Um, we saw that tech. We've we've seen that technique used uh, since uh, more recently in Syria, for example, with the rebel forces in Syria using that technique to attack uh, to attack the Syrian government forces. Mm-hmm. The other obvious one uh, ones you know in urban context would be more recently uh, in Mosul, uh, in Iraq. Uh, where there was extensive use of uh, tactical tunnels made. In some cases, these were were open trenches that were subsequently covered over. Uh, In other cases, they were actually excavated underground, but they allowed uh, the the Daesh um, insurgents to to move quickly from site to site uh, without being seen. And and that's one of the key reasons why people have gone underground. It's, It's don't be seen. Um, with the secondary aspect of you know don't be don't be hit. So the tunnels offer protection from sight and protection from the various weapon systems that are employed these days. Hmm. Yeah, you said Daesh was using this title, so that's that's ISIS who is using those tunnels there. Correct. Yes. Um, every urban battle space has really had some element of sub T to it because if you think about any city, there are going to be sewers, there are going to be. Uh, uh, areas where there is power or there's some other something else uh, infrastructure is being run through a subterranean space um, subway systems railway tunnels road tunnels uh, all manner of things and therefore you know, whatever you see above surface as I said you've got the other super surface element you're just as likely to see something uh, multiple levels below ground as above ground I, I guess I, I'm curious, though, Drew, because we've had we've had major advances in technology, right? We can we can find things underwater. We can detect things in space even now. So I guess why is it that tunnels, uh, especially these ones under Gaza, why are they so hard for us to detect? I think I think there's lots of technology out there. So, you know, I, I work in the mining sector and we've got uh, a myriad of systems that we can use from aircraft to satellite to systems that are on the ground. Now, clearly anything that's in the air or the uh, or, or in orbit as a satellite um, has the has the standoff uh, to be able to look at something. But uh, sometimes you physically need to be above something, boots on the ground, in order to use a particular geophysics system. Um, so if you take that uh, and put that into a military context, that requires securing a piece of ground and having the freedom of maneuver to go about utilizing a piece of uh, geophysical equipment in order to try and identify a target. Mm. That That's just a target. You don't necessarily know what that means because we, we can't quite x-ray down through the, the earth yet. Uh, that may come in, in, in years to come, but we, we don't have the, that technology right now. So we have to analyze the data that we can collect to generate targets. And then very much as we've, we we saw with the Israelis uh, in uh, 2018 on the Lebanese border, having identified targets through, through a variety of means, including you know, traditional intelligence gathering as well, to then try and target those tunnels to, to intercept them. And, and what they did there was initially drill uh, down to see whether they could intercept the, the tunnels. And having effectively put a drill hole, drill hole into a tunnel, 
put CCTV cameras and other systems down to then work out what was going on uh, and then work out how best to to deal with a particular tunnel. In one case, uh, the the tunnels were destroyed through explosive means. Um, The Israeli Defense Force gave uh, a certain amount of uh, verbal warning to what was going on, loud hailers, loudspeakers, um, very overtly said, we're going to blow this tunnel up and then did so. Uh, and then the other means through which they denied access through the tunnels were were effectively pumping them full of concrete wow. um, to, to block them in that regard. Anecdotally, uh, if you go back, uh, the Egyptians actually denied access through the, the tunnels between Egypt and Gaza uh, a number of years ago by actually flooding them with sewage. But clearly the presence or the potential presence of hostages is probably playing heavily on most people's minds right now. And and therefore, anything that's being done is having to be thought through very, very carefully. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the hostages, because I think we should we should talk a little bit about this as well, because Israel has stated, of course, that its its goal is to destroy Hamas. And part of that mission has included targeting those tunnels. But we, we do believe that a lot of these hostages, if not all, are being held in these tunnels. Right. So is it is it possible to destroy these tunnels without harming the hostages? So I used the term denial earlier on. Um, most people, if, if you say, I'm going to deny that tunnel, will think, oh, you're going to fill it in or you're going to destroy it through explosive means. Um, that might not necessarily be the case. Um, you can deny at least partial use of a tunnel or the broader system uh, just by blocking off an entrance. Um, and there's been a bit in the media about the uh, the Israeli Defense Force uh, sponge bombs, um, yeah. which which effectively is a two-part chemical that mixes and generates a foam that then hardens. Um, so there are various there are various other ways that you can deny access uh, or deny utilization of a system um, without necessarily causing damage to the people who may be in that system. And there is, of course, a lot of anticipation that fighting in this Israel-Hamas war will eventually go underground into these tunnels. Uh, What would it be like to fight down there? Well, again, incredibly challenging. Uh, And I think the the approach so far from the IDF appears to be don't engage in the tunnels. Um, Hamas want to draw people in, and therefore the IDF appears to have been very reticent to do so. They're leveraging drones, be it ground drones or or, um, aerial drones, Uh, They appear to be using military working dogs uh, and anything but putting a human being down into a tunnel. Clearly, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg in terms of the of what's going on there. I'm sure stories in the future will will come out. Um, But certainly in the past, it has been important to go into these these systems and clear them. Mm. Um, It just remains to be seen as to to how much of that is actually going on in in Gaza right now. Uh, a four-day ceasefire has been agreed to now, and, and that is supposed to mean dozens of hostages may be released soon, at least 50. Uh, and when that happens, I guess, will we learn more about the tunnels, Drew, given that we think those hostages were, were would have been held down there? Uh, well, those hostages that, who have already been released have alluded to the fact that they were taken down into tunnels. Um, mm-hmm. Now, how much uh, the hostages who will hopefully be released soon may be able to, how much information they may be able to pass on very much depends on, on um, how much they were moved around, how regularly they were moved around, um, what they were able to see and hear and feel and touch. Um I think it's really too early to say, and and also I think we should bear in mind that uh, it appears to be that a lot of the hostages who are going to be released are are very young children. 
um, and therefore uh, how much information they may be able to pass on, um, uh, again, could be a challenge. I guess just to end here, Drew, you know, all this being said, will we ever actually have a full picture of these tunnels, the extent of them? Will we ever really know this? Uh, no, I don't think we will. In the end, uh, and I'm not sure when that end might be and what that end looks like, um, but I think we'll have a good idea of uh, where those tunnels are. And you know, certainly there, there's headlines around you, know, the, the hundreds of access points that are being identified. Um, so I think we'll get an idea of the distribution of the tunnels from those access points as to what the web of tunnels underneath the ground potentially looks like. Uh, I don't know. It very much depends on, on how much of that is actually destroyed, how much of that's been surveyed prior to destruction. Um, and I guess that information uh, will we'll sit with the IDF and um, maybe we'll learn in, in due course. But who knows? Drew, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. No worries. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wells. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy-McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>